He's got a beautiful backswing. That's oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome to another edition of the award-winning 73rd Hole Podcast. Here with Taylor Williams today. We were here with Colby Powell earlier, but we had some technical difficulties where we recorded our full show, then realized that it wasn't recording. And, you know, T-Dub, the hump man always had a great quote. He said, the only two problems you'll ever have in life are man or machine. And today it was machine. (laughs) That's one of the best quotes I've ever heard in my life right there. The hump man is just full of knowledge and insight. And I'll tell you what, it, uh, it was definitely – usually when, it, when you're dealing with us three idiots, it usually falls under the first one, a man. But uh, this is one of the few days where we could actually uh, blame it on something else. So I think we should, in all honesty, honestly brag about the fact that something messed up and it wasn't our fault. Yeah, and at least we didn't have some big guest on and it messes up. So at least we are able to give you guys a little preview for Pebble Beach and the big-time Saudi tournament. And, Taylor, that's where I want to start – is we have some big-time players playing over in Saudi this week. And uh, tell the people about this tournament. Yeah, so we're looking at uh, essentially it's the, uh, the Saudi International uh, Tournament. And, uh, you know, we've got so many big names over there. We uh, we did strength the field earlier, but uh, so since we already know what it is, uh, it's kind of hard to just guess that. So we'll go ahead and just list it out for our listeners. Strength of field in, in at the Saudi International is, 345, and the strength of field, just for comparison's sake, at Pebble Beach this same week is a whopping 206. And, and Sam, that 206 is also including uh, Zalator still being in the field. He withdrew uh, yesterday. So that uh, just goes to show that, you know, we've kind of talked about this before, and we can kind of get into it a little bit more. I think we should after the break, just with how pro-ams, I think, you know, just halt and a lot of pros and don't want to do it. I think, you know, there's a little bit of life that comes from that. But, you know, I think we can make – some changes there, but just looking at this tournament, Sam, you got DJ Shawplay, uh, your boy Cam Smith, Bryce, big Bryson's over there, Tony Finau, Abe Anser, uh, Kokrak, Hatton, uh, Thomas Peters, who's one of my picks that I think is going to have a really good week over there. He's just been playing so well. I mean, Sam, this the top of this field is so loaded. It's kind of like the SEC football where it's uh, you know <laughs> so top heavy, but then you then you get down after you know there's not. Once you get from about strength of field, or I'm sorry, world ranking of 112, then it drops down to 141, 153, 162, and then you're getting a lot of guys down in like the mid 300 range. So it's uh, you got some really big names over there. I think this is uh, I think we'd be really shocked at this tournament at Dark Horse One. Yeah, I'm really excited to see. Uh, you know, the golf over there this week, and Cam Smith is finally getting the respect that I've been giving him all of last year, and now that he's won at Kapalua, he's actually the favorite on Data Golf this week to win the golf tournament at 9%, then you have DeChambeau at 8.2, then Dustin Johnson at 7.3, then there's a drop-off to Sergio and Shoffley. but Cam Smith coming in at 30.7% to finish top five, T-Dub. How do you like Cam Smith this week? I mean, Sam, last time, or second to last time we saw Boyd Cam Smith, he set the PGA Tour record at, at 33 under par. But, you know, the last time he did play was the Sony Open the week after where he missed the cut. I mean, it's, it's, a, law of, it's a law of averages, right? I mean, he, there's no way you're going to shoot 34 under and then go out and shoot something anywhere close to that. So I think a little bit of a letdown was expected. I love Cam Smith this week. I think, a, um, you know, winning is definitely tough when you got that many good players out there. I think it's just going to be – you know, which of those big names that we listed off is going to make the most uh, 10-foot putts. So it's kind of – and Cam Smith definitely fits that category of a guy you would pick to do that. But I think Cam Smith, a top five bet, is probably a really good bet. I don't necessarily think he will win. It's, it's just such a such a top-heavy field. It'll be hard to see that. But I, I do agree that if this tournament was played more time, like 100 times in a row, I'm, I think Cam Smith would probably may, – may not lead everyone with wins, but he would definitely be – first, second, or third in there. So I do think Daddy Golf is on to something there, Sam. Yeah, and I, I think another guy to look at as kind of a dark horse this week as far as picks go, I kind of like Matthew Wolf at 35-1 to 1, uh, down there. You know, 
you have guys like Hatton and Neiman and Casey and Lowry. Those guys will be popular picks based on their odds this week. But I think if you go a little farther down to Wolf, he could have a really good week this week. Some interesting names also in the tournament. You have Bubba Watson. You have Phil Mickelson, uh, along with the guys, like you said, Answer and Kokrak and Vegas and those guys. Uh, and then you have uh, former OSU player Zachary Boshu will be in the field this week in Saudi as well. Um, T-Dub, there was an article on ESPN.com this week ex- uh, explaining kind of Greg Norman's plan for this year. Not necessarily the Super League that he wants to get going, but it, they're, they're kind of plans as far as 2022. Uh, so tell the people a little bit about what that article said. Yeah, so essentially we're, like, just like you mentioned, Sam, this isn't the... Um, the full-on Super League that everyone's been complaining about. This is kind of the, the prelude to that, as you would say. And essentially, it's going to be just a 10-event series on the, on the Asian Tour. It's not on the European Tour, the DP World Tour. There's been a little bit of confusion on that end. So I, that, it's definitely going to be something interesting. The most important thing I saw from this article, Sam, we dive into this a little bit. The, uh, the first event of that series, or the next event of that series, I guess, will be um, – uh, March 3rd through 6th, which is the same week as the Arnold Palmer Invitational Bay Hill and also the, uh, the Kenya Open, which is on the uh, DP World Tour. And that tournament always gets a, a good field as well. And, you know, Sam, what are your thoughts on, on the fact that they're trying to essentially start this up head-to-head with one of the biggest tournaments on the PJ Tour? That uh, seems fairly interesting. Yeah, it does. Uh, The purse seems a little low, but the field isn't going to be quite as big. So I think you'll get a really good grasp of who Greg Norman has in his back pocket as far as guys to go to this Super League based on who you will see in Saudi or in Thailand, excuse me, that week headed up against Bay Hill, right? And so if someone skips Bay Hill to go over to Thailand to play in Greg Norman's thing, or if they skip Kenya on the European tour to play in Greg Norman's thing on the Asia tour, you're really going to start to see who Greg Norman is really going going after. And I think that the way he's going to get this Super League started is kind of on a year-to-year basis, getting one or two big names after big names. So you might not see five of the top 15 guys go over to Saudi this year, but or, or the first year of the Super League, but you might see him grab two of the top 10 this year, one of the top 10 the next year, one of the top 10 after that, and then it's eventually going to disintegrate the PGA Tour. And so far, we've seen, I mean, just look at the field this week, that guys are not scared of the controversies of going over to Saudi Arabia because, I mean, even I think you on the long lost show that we just did an hour ago had a great quote from Jason Kokrak explaining that money is king, right? Yeah, I got I got that quote right here. I was just about to read it. Um, great minds think alike on that end, Sam. Um, so this is what, uh, what Kokrak said in an article. I believe this is on golfmonthly.com. He said, uh, I don't have any intention of signing anything as of right now, but cash is king, and if somebody pays me enough money that my kids' kids are going to have a good head start on life, then I'm going to take full advantage. Playing the PGA Tour is unbelievable, but it is a grind. Do you want to play the PGA Tour uh, for more of a legacy thing or whatever? Some people have told me, but if you play the Saudi Golf League to play, say, 14 events, you're going to get a big bonus at the beginning of the year, and you're going to play for $20 million or whatever it is. And, you know, I think that that's a really powerful quote because Kokrak right now, I believe, a top 25 player in the world. And it's, he's thinking the same thing that a lot of people on the outside are, is if you can get enough money essentially guaranteed to where you don't have to grind on the PGA Tour, you're not essentially working on a commission basis as much, it's so much less stressful to a lot of these guys. It doesn't even matter how good you are. And so I think that, you know, you made a really good point earlier, Sam, about the, you know, the Saudi Tour, they're not, or the, the uh, Super League or whatever, they're not just going to go in and take eight of the top ten players in the world at once and say, see you later, PJ Tour. Right. Um, it's going to be more like they're going to, you know, and pick a few people, you know, who, who they can get on. You know, I think the, the biggest thing to see will be, you know, are they able to get all the big dogs that they want? Can they get a Rom, a Hovland, a Morikawa, a DJ, um, or even someone just big name-wise, like a Brooks Kepka or a uh, even Phil, uh, something like that, or over there in Europe, an Ian Poulter, Henrik Stinson. Uh, that's kind of been talked about. That, that kind of leads into my next point, Sam. I, I just want to ask you. There's been a lot of talk about what are all these other 
other things or what are these other tours going to do? I mean, you got so many different bodies. You've got CJ Tour, you've got DP World Tour, you have PGA of America, you have Augusta National, USGA, RNA. It's just, what are these guys going to do when the Super League officially builds up? And what do you think that, because they've got something in the works of what they're, what they're planning to do when all this news breaks. What do you think is going to happen? Well, the number one voice in all of golf is Augusta National slash the Masters, right? And every year they do a state of golf address before Masters week. And I think it'll be interesting if they even talk on it this year or if they'll wait until next year to speak on it. But here's what I think is going to happen is there's no way that they're going to ban three or whatever of the top 10 players in the world from playing in the Masters just because they go over to Saudi Arabia and aren't playing on the PGA Tour. I don't think there's any possible way uh, that they're going to let that happen to the Masters and kind of uh, diminish a little bit of the value of the Masters. Right, T-Dub? I, I 120% agree. Um, you never know. I mean, it's, I think what's going to happen is you're going to have, I think maybe, I think at least one of these governing bodies that I mentioned is going to try to play the moralist card and say, try to put some stipulations down. I think it'll just be interesting to see if, because like if the PGA Tour or Augusta National, like you say, comes out and doesn't say anything about it or, Let's just say the PGA Tour comes out in a couple of weeks and just is super, super stingy on it. And then it'll be interesting to see who follows that, right? Like who, who kind of piggybacks off of what Augusta National does or what the other people do. But I think one of the biggest things, that, and, you know, uh, reading about it with Ian Poulter and Henrik Stinson is, is the Ryder Cup and the PGA, uh, the PGA of America. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, I think Ian Poulter and Stinson are both very, very good candidates to be Ryder Cup captains within the next decade or, or two. And you're not going to let some of the best Ryder Cup players of all time be a captain because they want to go make some money? I mean, I think that's just a little ridiculous in my opinion. So right. it, it, it's just one of those – go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to bring up – you mentioned the moral part of it, and I think we're starting to see that the players don't care about – you know, the things that Saudi Arabia has done in the past, they care about the money that they're getting for their own families. And then you get into a different kind of moral discussion. Is it better to take care of your family or is it better, you know, to, to, you know, be PR correct, right. And, and be PC. And, you know, what is PC in this case? Like, is it taking care of your family and getting all of that guaranteed money and playing against easier fields for more money? And it's just going to be an interesting thing. And I think it's hard to to kind of bash these guys for wanting to do that. I, I certainly um, would side more on the side of the players. I mean, the the United States, for instance, or the PGA Tour, for instance, they aren't perfect either, right? And so... You know, it, it's kind of hard to take the moral route when there's this much money involved. And I think that if these guys want guaranteed money, I think Saudi is the route. And I think that Greg Norman has put together a plan, and I'm not saying that it's going to work, but I'm saying that he has a game plan that could possibly, in the you know next decade, disintegrate the PGA Tour because I think he's made quite the offer to these guys. And, you know, Sam, at the end of the day, this, this is what I think a lot, everyone needs to realize. Like, if, if John Rahm and these top five players, top ten players in the world don't go over to Saudi Arabia, it's not like the country is going to get better overnight. That's not, the, the leaders over there are going to say, oh, my God, it's such a sign that, that these players didn't come. We better, you know, change everything we're doing. No, that's not going to happen. Like, right. people need to realize that you, you, can, you, can, you can only control what's in your life. And these players can control – their bank account on this aspect because you go sign a contract and go do it. And, you know, I, I was reading up on, on kind of what you were just saying there, Sam, and it, a lot of these players don't look at it as their um, ambassadors for Saudi. They're ambassadors of growing the game. And right. it, it's like any aspect you say, hey, do you want to add more golf tournaments or add more, uh, more ways to play golf? Everyone would say yes up until you talk about where it's going to be at. So I think these players just view it as, as they're working for themselves and they're just trying to grow the game. Right. So you know, I'm, you know, maybe even more shallow than that, you know, T-Dub, they might like that they're growing the game, but the number one thing is the guaranteed money and the easier money. Oh, there's right? no doubt. There's no I doubt mean, about it. I mean, you can, you can say it whatever way you want to say it, but I think that the field that they have this week shows a lot in the fact that, yes, Saudi Arabia has done horrible, disgusting things in the past, but... 
these players like their guaranteed money, and they are not going to have a problem going over there. And like the point you brought up earlier, we're going to see if anybody skips Bay Hill to go over to play in Greg Norman's thing in Thailand. I think that that's going to be a big, big thing to look at. I mean, it, I think it's going to be extremely huge. And then and then even a little – because that's going to be the big one, right? And then even a little bit after that, it's going to be, you know, who – I think it would be interesting to see, like, who plays at Bay Hill and then who plays in, um, you know, the next few events that are over there, you know? So then I, I think it would be interesting to see if these guys can show that they can manage playing on, on both aspects because, in my opinion, that's the best thing to do for golf is just everyone become buddy-buddy and let's, let's try to make sure that – Let's try to make sure that in the future, uh, the, the bigger events that you're trying to host aren't the same week as the Arnold Palmer invitation. You know, let's put them on a lesser field of events. I mean, the tour doesn't want that, but you they're can not going to do that, though, things. because they're trying to take guys away from the PGA Tour. And see, and see that's where that's where I see the uh, that's where I see that there could be growth, right? Because players play the the your, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. They do both of them. I, I mean, I just, I just don't see why. Because, like, the European Tour, right? Like, even though – like, they don't like that um, – what was it, the last couple of weeks that players were going over there playing in uh, Abu Dhabi and uh, the Dubai Desert Classic. But, you know, it's like, it's, you only have so many options. And I think that it's, they can the, – the, this is my opinion. The more the PGA Tour tries to push back and fight on this, the worse it's going to be. I totally agree. Now, the only interesting thing is going to be the Ryder Cup to me and – as far as the Ryder Cup goes, you're obviously playing for your country, whether it be the U.S. or obviously the continent of Europe, right? And so my deal is on this, that could get a little dicey as far as if you play in Saudi Arabia all the time, is that going to piss off the PGA of America and say, no, you're not going to play for the United States when you won't even play in the, on the PGA Tour? I know, well, you know the PGA is, Tour is, and the PGA of America are different, but I'm just talking about playing as far as, um, you know, playing for your country. Oh, no, you're, you're on to something there. And, you know, I think, I think the way around that is hey, you, you, don't get world, you don't get Ryder Cup points for those tournaments. You can get them in the DP World Tour. You can get them on the PGA Tour, but you play over there, you can't get it. So, you know, if you do choose to go play over in Saudi, your only option would be to be a captain's pick. And right. You know, and in my opinion, I think that would be – that's not a bad alternative there because it's like if John Rahm decides to go play over there, he's going to be a captain's pick every single year. And so then it might even be better for Europe in that aspect because they can actually get the best players that are that are playing at the time. And so um, – I, I and obviously P.J. Turk could do the same thing. But um, – uh, or, or I'm sorry, the USA team, um, not, not P.J. But nevertheless, I think that it's – like I said, I think it's just the same on both aspects. The longer you try to push back against it, it it's going to be bad. Um, maybe not necessarily what I was talking about earlier. Just you know, like like PJ Tour shouldn't give the Saudi uh, shouldn't give Greg Norman money and try to make this bigger. But I think you know, just let them get settled. Don't fight against it. And you know, let's see if down the road we can be buddy buddies and make more money for everyone. Because PJ Tour, they want to act like moralists. If they're making money from it, they don't care. Yeah. Do you think that the PGA Tour will ever give guaranteed contracts? No, I do not. No. I don't either. I, I don't think it's possible with the as big of fields as they have and the system that they have right now. Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see. And the only way that Greg Norman actually pulls this off is if he gets, you know, in, in 10 years if we're talking about it and five guys out of the top 10 are playing in Saudi, then I think, it, I think that's a success. I, I would completely agree. And then, you know, you look at the aspect of, well, how much – how much does that actually detract from the PGA Tour? Because, you know, if these guys are making all that money to play 14 events, they don't need to, they're not going to play that many more events, but they don't have to. Um, or some, a lot of people, you know, like a Sung JM or someone like that or Hovland, they just love golf and they play almost every week, it seems like. Um, so, I mean, those guys might say, hey, come on and play some more. So I, I think that's another inter- interesting aspect to look from it is, you know, even if the guys go over and play in Saudi, if the PJ Tour doesn't make them, doesn't say, hey, you can't play on this tour, how many of them actually do play in PJ Tour events? Because I think that it kind of be middle of the road. Like, I think I mentioned this on, on our long-lost episode, that I think you're, the first uh, kind of people you're going to see go over to Saudi are going to be really young players just out of college yeah. within two to three years, or you're going to see 
the Phil Mickelsons, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenses of the world who are Lee Westwood's even that kind of group where they're on the back leg of their career and don't want to keep grinding for, for checks every month when, or every tournament when they could go out and, and just sign it and have it happen. And so I, I think that that's really what you're going to see. I'd be surprised if there's a lot of, um, you know, 30-year-old guys who have been on the tour for six to seven years. I'd be surprised to see a lot of those guys go over. Yeah, and the other thing is you can't really look past the top 25 because that's not what's going to grow the Saudi tour, not 26 through 50 or 50 through 100. It's the big-name guys that are going to want to go over there, and they're the only guys that Greg Norman's going to want to pay the big bucks. So the deal with that is is that you might see a lower strength of field in these Super League Saudi tournaments than the PGA Tour. However, you're taking big names away, which takes marketing dollars away from the PGA Tour. And the only way that he will get those guys, even with the guaranteed money, is if those guys are also guaranteed to play in major championships. And so that's why what I said about Augusta, if they speak on it, you know, that's going to be a big thing. I, I completely agree. And, you know, one thing that we keep talking about, the snowball effect that will happen from it. And, you know, when you think about a snowball rolling down the hill, the bigger the snowball is, the faster it goes. And if you're able to add multiple top ten players in the world, you're, you, the start of your tour is going to be so much better than if you get one guy in the top third. So it's, I think that the first little bit, I think that's why, that's kind of why the PJ Tour is wanting to, I kind of put its foot down where it does because they understand that if if they can slow down the start of, of this movement, then it'll greatly, greatly halt what it'll be in five years. And so I think right. that, you know, they actually they want to do that, but I think it's going to end up backfiring at the end of the day. And, you know, I, uh, Colby made up this, this point when we were talking on a long last episode is that, you know, we, we can just keep speculating all we want. It's like, I just want to, to hear some news. I want to know what's going to happen. And, I mean, it's a great start seeing these, these 10 events and kind of what's going to be the fallout from that. But uh, once we get the official confirmation of a Super League, it, it may change golf forever. So. It may. Now, there's two things where I don't necessarily think that Greg Norman, his plan will work according to what he wants. Number one, the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour have a bunch of trump cards as far as Ryder Cup, you know, like Ryder Cup points like you were talking about, PGA of America, right? That'll be a big thing to see what they do as far as the PGA and the Ryder Cup. Um, But I think that the PGA Tour has a bunch of, you know, trump cards as far as, you know, you, you can just, they can ban you, right? Like you can just not be allowed to play on the PGA Tour. And then if you only have a certain amount of events, then Greg Norman's having to pay these guys more guaranteed money. And it's just, it, it, it could go under really quick. But at the same time, if he does get three or four big names, I think that he he's golden, right? Yeah, I mean, so Sam, tell me what you think about this. What would be worse for the PGA Tour? Having a top 10 player in the world play on the play on the, in the 10 events or in the super league and then play four to five events on your tour or for them to go play in, on in the super league and then just ban them and they never play any of your events well it would obviously be to ban them but i think that they might be you know if they don't ban them then they're gonna you know get taken advantage of number one and number two it's not gonna look good uh, you know, as far as PR, because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like that these guys go over to Saudi Arabia. Aren't they, isn't the PGA Tour going to have to come out and say something, though, before the players sign their contracts? Yeah, they'll, they'll have to have rules, right? You can't just, you know, backwards ban somebody, like when the guy signs his contract and then go back later, right? And then say, no, you're not allowed to play. I mean, I guess they could, but that would be pretty slimy on the PGA Tour. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, like, like it's let's just say that the Super League when in their announcement they announced uh, the the ten players they're going to have and they were all top fifty in the world. And it's like, what's the PJ Tour going to come out and immediately ban all those people as soon as they see it? I don't because you can't void a contract like that. I mean, unless you have a buyout or something like that, right? So it's, and the other it's, thing uh, is, there's a lot of right now. Look at right now. They're letting these guys go over and play in this Asia Tour event in Saudi Arabia, right? But if you can't necessarily use the bad PR of 
you know, we don't want people playing in Saudi Arabia later on just because it doesn't benefit you, right? Like when once the Super League starts. So then you could say, look, they let them play in a few events in Saudi Arabia in the past. What's the difference? And, and you know, uh, this kind of just a spot in my head. Don't think about this. Like, like we keep talking about the, the Super League and how, like, they'll have to play, if they sign a contract, they'll have to play every single event. What if the, what if the Super League just has a, uh, like, a minimum requirement of events? Like, hey, Hovland, you, can, you have to play in four of our events, you know, or something like that. And then I think that way, you know, they can make their guaranteed money. It's not going to be as much, obviously. But then you kind of get everyone. I, I don't think that's the best solution to this problem. But I think that would be something that would at least keep the PJ Tour off uh, off uh, the now, Super League back see, for Greg, a while. Greg Norman wouldn't want that. I think you want your big name guys in every single tournament to get it off the ground. But I I, I completely agree. But the PJ Tour also wants their players to not go. So it's you know right. we got to find a happy. But if you're getting paid there. guaranteed money, you're going to go with Norman. If right, I, if you're already I, over I, there. I 100% agree. And so that's, that's just kind of a, a something I thought about. Is could you, like, have the guaranteed money to claim half the left of it? I don't think every player would do that. And Greg Norman, definitely, I don't think he would let that happen for every player. But it's, you know, like I just mentioned earlier, it's better to have a top five player in the world play in three of your events than none of them. Right. So we could talk all day about that, but it's definitely going to be a very controversial topic. Uh, T-Dub, you got a pick for this week in Saudi? You know, I, I, I'm going a little bit of dark horse. I mentioned him earlier when I was listening to all players. He's a little bit down on data golf, a little bit behind some of the, the bigger dogs, but I really like Thomas Peters this week. I really do. I think that he's kind of on the trend of kind of like a sneaky hobbling run where he's won two of his last four events he's played going back to the end of, end of 2021 last season. So I really, really like Peters. And um, But, you know, also like I mentioned, when you got this many great players in the field, if if someone start, if like if DJ starts making putts, you're not going to beat him. And so right. I, it wouldn't surprise me at that end at all because he he uh, DJ won here was it last year a couple of years ago he won. Um, so he loves that place over there. He's number of all the guys in the field at this course. He's gained the most strokes out of anyone. So DJ's definitely someone to look at. But also with DJ, you never know how much him and Paulina have been been hanging out. So uh, <laughs> he might he might come out and shoot eighty. We never know. Yeah, I'll go with Cam Smith. I'll go with my boy. He's getting respect. He'll keep getting respect from me. So I will go Cam Smith in Saudi Arabia this week. All right, T. I mean, I mean, I mean, Sam, you could be you could be the reverse bandwagon fan where you root on him until he's not favored. Then the one time he's favored, you could just get off of him. You know, instead of like most people who jump on when they're on top. Yeah, exactly. It's like sometimes with music, like back in the day, it was cool to listen to stuff until it got too cool, right? Oh, uh, yeah, once the song gets overplayed, there's there's few things worse. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully Cam Smith is still beautiful to listen to this week. I'm going with him in Saudi Arabia. All right, after the break, we will talk about Pebble Beach and the Pro-Am, maybe a little sandbagging, maybe a little bit of cheeseburgers this weekend. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. By the way, go get your PGA Championship tickets. I know that 
they might be close to sold out by now, T-Dub, but if you haven't already gotten your PGA Championship tickets or your hotel rooms, for that matter, go do that ASAP because I'm sure they will be selling out very, very soon. Hopefully, our man Tiger will be playing at Southern Hills. I mean, that Tiger playing, actually, Tiger, it, this is the order it goes. Tiger winning, Tiger playing, and then third is uh, Morikawa Hoblin playoff. <laughs> By the way, we had some breaking news from a random person on Twitter who says that they are from Norway, right? And he says that they listen to a podcast that is talking about golf in Norway called Four, F-O-R-E. And he said that there is a distinct possibility that Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa will be paired together at the Zurich Classic. Could you imagine all of the possibilities that Colby and I could be going through that week? Sam, there's a, there's a possibility that you guys could both lose the bet. <laughs> there so is. We, we could get it to where, because that's the thing. That it's not. I'm not letting it be to where if they both get three, none of y'all have to do it. Y'all both have to do it because the, the the odds of that happening are so so high or so low. It's unbelievable. But it could only happen when two guys from the 73rd hole have them both. That's the only thing that's going to make this possible. I also love that a guy in Norway just took time out of his day. First of all, he's listening to the 73rd hole in Norway. Second of all, he took time out of his day just to tell us that this is a definite possibility and that me and Colby need to be on high alert. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you something, Sam. I've gotten a lot of feedback from, from a lot of our listeners, a lot of our friends. Oak Tree could make – if if uh, – if you have to go out and walk with that push cart, Oak Tree can make some serious <laughs> money selling tickets to watch this. There's like 20 people who have texted me saying, God, I want Sam to go in push cart so bad. I have to watch them. I don't care. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll hop the fence at Oak Tree to see it. I mean, this is going to be a, I mean, we got to get it televised if it happens. So what does Colby have to do? Does he have to ride in the cart and take the shot of breast milk? While I'm doing it, if somehow we tie and we're both imagine that both of them have two wins headed into the Zurich, and Colby and I are just rooting so hard against Morikawa and Hovland. Or, I mean, I read it. Go ahead. The other possibility here is that, say, Morikawa has two wins headed into the Zurich, and then my guy Hovland is helping him win the bet. <laughs> That, that is going to be what's going to happen. Well, it's not going to be both of y'all losing. It's going to be the other person's golfer is literally on the same team with the guy that wins. That, that, that's going to be what's going to happen. The person who gets snake bit is the bigger question here because I think that the way we'll know this is, do you hate a push cart more than Colby hates breast milk? And that's something that I don't know. I don't know either. I think hopefully we find out. <laughs> but, but a good question here is if they both do win that Zurich, does Colby have to take this shot of breast milk before or after the round? Because that, that, that could influence how he plays. <laughs> I think it's after the round. Like, uh, what what is it, the Indianapolis 500? <laughs> they drink the milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Have him a nice, nice buttery nipple. After yeah, the exactly, exactly. All right, T-Dub, we got Pebble Beach this week, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I know that our guy Colt Ford will be playing with – Ryan Moore this week, and we have, you know, <clears throat> not the best field <laughs> for the Pebble Beach Pro Am this year. Uh, you know, tell the people about who's playing this week. Yeah, so I thought one thing that was interesting is that PJ Tour actually increased this, uh, it increased the purse of, of the Pro Am. So it's it's actually the winner in this event is going to get more than any than any of the winners so far in, in 2022. So I, I mean, I thought that was very interesting too to see that happen. And unfortunately, it didn't really stop a lot of these guys going over the south. Um, cause, uh, we talked about that before the break. So, you know, Sam, I, we talked about this a little bit. I think it's a two-horse race. I think Cantlay's a big, big guy golf favorite, along with Berger, a, a strong, strong contender at second. Uh, both guys tied for third, essentially. Seamus Power, Maverick, and Neely. Um, both think they'll have good weeks. I, I would be surprised if uh, if either of those guys won. I think one of them will probably finish top five, maybe, maybe eighth or something like that. Then you get down, you got Cameron Chingali, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth, 
Um, you know, sorry, a little spoiler alert. Our man Colby really is really on speed this week. Um, got Ryan Palmer, Matty Fitzpatrick, uh, Mackenzie Hughes. Um, then he dropped down to uh, Lanto Griffin, and then a uh, guy that we both kind of like this week, Sam, um, Jason Day. He showed a lot of a lot of good signs last week. Obviously, he holed out on fourteen, then then kind of had a few bad. Um, kind of got up and down for par in fifteen, but then bogey sixteen, seventeen. Uh, birdied 18 for a nice good finish. Um, and then also we learned um, from the camera that Dash is bigger than, than his dad now, so that's, that's really cool to know. And, uh, I mean, it's just – I really – I like this today. I'm going to pick him. But it, it is telling that it's not getting – and I, I want to ask you about this too, Sam. Is it, is it just the fact that it's a pro-am and the rounds take six hours that it's not drawing that, that many people? Because it's definitely not the golf course. It's definitely not the golf course. I do think that it is the Pro-Am. I think that you're seeing by the field in Saudi Arabia and on the DP World Tour this week how much guys think that it is a inconvenience to play in this Pro-Am. And I think that, you know, not only, you know, all the Norman stuff with the Saudi Arabia, all that stuff going on over there, I don't think that that was all of it this week. I think that a lot of it was it's just an inconvenience to these guys to play in the Pro-Am. I mean, I, I remember infamously besides um, besides the one time, I think it was 2012, where uh, Tiger and Phil played and uh, Tiger shot 75 or 74 and Phil shot 64 in the final round. That was uh, something that Phil always holds over Tiger even still. Um, but but that's really, ever since Tiger won there in 2000, beat Matt Gogol, he hasn't played that tournament that much. And I remember him, if, I can't remember where I heard it from, but I remember him saying that it's because the round takes so long. That's why he's not playing. And, you know, Tiger, Tiger's not the only one that we're seeing this happen. And, you know, like someone like Cantlay, even, for example, you know, he's from California. So I think that's a, a big reason for him. And then with how well Daniel Berger plays here, I don't think you'd ever want to play anywhere else. He hasn't finished worse than 10th or whatever the whole right. time he's been, he's been playing here in three appearances. So I think that – and. and the problem, Sam, is that the the tournament's so historical that you can't really go away with it. You know, it's like like last year it was great for us, you know, extreme golf fans to not have to see Bill Murray and Bill Belichick and all those people, uh, you know, with their fifteen handicap swings on the on the Swing Vision camera. But you know, if you go multiple years without it, I think that it would definitely take some time for the tournament to get back to. Yeah, and I also think that. You know, we're we're both golf nerds, right? Colby is as well. We we love watching competitive golf. Now, some people aren't, and some people don't. And I think that the celebrity factor definitely brings people to the game of golf, which I think is good. But I do think that it will continue to get weaker fields as long as they keep it a pro am. And I don't think it's ever going to change. To be honest, I I think it's just one of those things. Yeah, I agree. And so, I mean, I think. Too with when you get all those celebrities there, it's you know is the you know obviously you want the best players to come through, but how many years would it take of the best players to not play for that tournament to lose it to lose enough value to where they would have to say they would change it? And I think that I still think we're a long ways away from that. But you know, at the end of the day, I also brought this up too in our long last episode. You know, I think the only three tournaments now on the PGA Tour that play two different golf courses are uh, the American Express, the Old Bob Hope, uh, Tory last week, and then. Um, the tournament this uh, Pell Beach. So I think that I've, I've always asked this. I don't know why we have to have these tournaments where you play multiple courses and make viewership harder. You can't see uh, every shot in every hole. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if anything changes. But I'm kind of with you, Sam. I don't see it happening well, ever, it has, or anytime soon, if ever. It has to do with the pace of play because they have so many people uh, compared to a normal tournament, definitely. Um, so do you want to hop into our DraftKings or do you want to do one and done first, T-Dub? Uh, let's, let's go ahead and hop in the drafting. All uh, right. You want, start, you want me to leave it out? Uh, you can start it, and then I'll read Colby's, and then I'll go me last. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I like that. So, uh, By the way, kind of <laughs> you kind of teased it. And, it, you know, Colby is really on Jordan Speed this week, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Colby p- picks Speed the same week that our episode dissolves into thin air. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think about that because that—that's really where I, it all went apart, wasn't it, Sam? That was after he made the speed stick. Is like the computer said, "I I can't handle this. I can't take it. I, I don't know what to do." <laughs> he's like, he's uh, like, we're not publishing this. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I got to rethink this." That was such a dumb thing to say. Uh, but yeah, been playing very well. But Kobe did, you know, makes a good point. He all, doesn't matter really what form he's in. Speed has always played well here. Um, yep. But the same was the same same case was for Fina last week, and that didn't work out very well for me at all. So. 
I'll go ahead and lead off with DraftKings. 6,800. Um, give me Austin Eckrod. I, I think that it's, he hasn't really played that well that you admit missed both of his cuts, but I think it's a, a, a few courses that, that really set up for him, not necessarily anything too long. As the courses are at sea level, but, you know, Pebble Beach doesn't, doesn't even go 7,000, I don't think. So, uh, and then Spyglass is probably the toughest one out of all of them. Uh, Monterey is a course that these guys just eat up and shoot. They should shoot four or five under a minimum out there, barring uh, extreme wind. Um, but even even a strong wind does come up, I think Eckrode's a great uh, play for that. So when you're getting down to someone less than 6,000, give me a guy I think is going to make the cut, and I think uh, I think it's Austin's time to uh, get him a check. Yeah, when I look at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, I look at guys that drive the ball straight and that are solid putters. Um and so I'm, I'm going to go with Charles Schwartzel. The only time he ever played here uh, was in 2020, and he finished fifth. And so he's at 7,100, and he made and he fit into my lineup well because I have two guys that are extremely top-heavy this week. So I'm going to go Charles Schwartzel. By the way, Colby went with UT-Dub. He went with Austin Eckrote. Uh, and I think that that's a solid pick. I know that he played quite a bit there in college when he was at Oklahoma State. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't hate that pick for, uh, for Colby. And then my second pick at 7,100, I'm sticking right on that number. I'm going to go a guy, Davis Riley, who has also played at Pebble Beach quite a bit, not only in college, but a little bit as a professional as well. And, you know, I, I played with him growing up, T-Dub, and he went to Alabama, great player, played really well in the Corn Ferry Tour last year. And now that he's got the fall uh, you know, kind of season of the PGA Tour under his belt. I think that he's kind of on his feet as a PGA Tour player, and I think that he will be able uh, to maybe break out this week or at least finish top 15, top 20 in this tournament, and that's what I'm looking for at, at for a guy at 7,100. Uh, Colby's second pick, let me pull it up here. His second pick will be uh, Sahith Gala, VJ Singh. Uh, for Colby there at 7,200 for Colby's second pick. I mean, I mean, Sam Davis riley has got to be just one of these kids. It's like, he's got to come through at some point, right? I think it's just a matter of how long. It he's takes. such a good ball striker. One of the best iron players as a junior you will ever see. I mean, as a junior, his iron game was just head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, and he's really not, you know, not, he doesn't have a flaw. He doesn't really – he's not bad at anything. You know, like we look at Zalatoris, great ball striker, bad putter, right? You don't have any of that with Davis Riley. He's really, really solid, and I think that you will continue to see growth for him on the PGA Tour. He's just a rookie, just a rookie. His time's coming, baby. I truly believe it. So I'm going on the opposite end of the spectrum from first year, sir. I'm going on a guy who's been out there for, for about two and a half decades now. Send us Give me our man Matt Kuchar. Um, he doesn't play particularly well at, at uh, comparatively the way he does at other courses. He's been such a great player, but uh, he didn't play the event last year. But uh, three previous years, previous years before made the cut. Um, didn't really play here much between 2011 and 2016. And we did see Kucher finish seventh out out in Wailai in Hawaii. So I really like Kucher this week. I think I would be pretty surprised if he didn't make the cut. And one thing too to know too, Sam, is that when you got to, like this in the American Express, they play. With, with three courses, you have to play three rounds before you have a cut. So, in all honesty, like, you never want to have three or four missed cuts on DraftKings. But if you only miss one, if you have guys that are going to win and finish top five, it's going to be – you have a lot higher chance of finishing way up there than, than in normal weeks when you have uh, two rounds and then shut it down. So, going up from 7,600, I'm going up to 8,000. And, unfortunately, Sam, we don't have the button on your soundboard. But uh, it's got to be Matt Jones, 8,000. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> my, my, my soul is honestly hurting a little bit that I'm picking Matt Jones, and I, I, I don't hear the song. Like, I don't even really know what to do right now. Like, I, I honestly feel like – I think the, pod, like, the podcast with, with Colby, with Colby picking speed, I think, our, I think your stuff's about to shut down, Sam. It's not going to know what to do. Um, but, you know, just reading out some stats here. We can't pick Matt Jones without the button. Dude, it's so hard. It's so, I'm going to change my pick now. But, but I can't do it because because the, the course history, Sam, it's unbelievable. Since 2008, he's played here every single year. Only twice at, at, since 2008 has he missed a cut. And you've got a fifth in there, a seventh, a tenth, fifteenth, um, 34th here last year. So really, really like Matt Jones. Has missed two cuts in a row since um, since the um, Kapalua where he tied the PGA Tour scoring record and then finished third behind Rob and uh, Cam Smith. So, I really like Matt Jones at 8,000, Sam, but I, I, my soul is burning a little bit not hearing. 
It, it was on the show, just not on the show that actually worked, right? The long lost episode. <laughs> it, it will live in legend forever. It truly will. I, I wonder where it went. Like, just off into thin air? Like, is it still all pieced together? There, there's got to be some way that that we can retrieve it somehow, but we might have to uh, <laughs> get, get the quantum physics calculators out and all that thing. Well, it's crazy that my Cox line got clipped by a Bobcat tractor again. And Colby <laughs> and Colby's apparently, you know, is iced over or whatever. But luckily... No, he, Colby but, said his internet was good and his uh, his laptop was what was letting him down. So it was, uh, once again, Sam, like the Huntman said, this was a machine error. It was not was not man error for once in our life. Exactly. All right, well, Colby, speaking of him... Uh, he's going with Lucas Glover at 7,800. Uh, on the long lost episode, he explained that Lucas Glover does play well at the start of the years, and uh, he likes Lucas Glover at 7,800. Uh, I will go with our guy, a little local flair, 7,300, Taylor Moore. And Data Golf this week really likes Taylor Moore. He's ranked 18th on Data Golf this week, and he has a 12.8% chance to finish top 10 in this tournament. He has a 62.4% chance to make the cut. That kind of shows how open this field is, T Dub, that a guy ranked 18th on Data Golf for this week is only 62.4% chance to make the cut. So I really think that his ball striking and his putting uh, will lead him to a good week this week. And then my next pick, I will go Joel Damon at 7,500. Joel Damon seems like the type of guy that might actually enjoy the Pro-Am, kind of an outgoing guy, won't really get under his skin that the rounds are taking long, be able to chit-chat with all the celebrities and things like that. I think that it'll kind of keep him, you know, kind of relaxed. And then Colby is going to go with uh, Kevin Streelman at 9,100. Yeah, that's Colby's pick. I don't really know why he picked Kevin Streelman. Kevin Streelman always plays well here at uh, at the AT&T Pebble Beach, Um, but he has – I think he played pretty well a couple of weeks ago. Let me let me pull up exactly what what Stroman's stats are at this course because they're they're pretty unbelievable. Let me scroll down a little bit because he's a little bit low in the rankings. So Stroman at this course, Sam, he played here every uh, only one year. Twenty fourteen, he didn't play here, um, but he missed the cut two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Since that, since two thousand ten, he has played here every like I said every year except one, and only missed the cut once. And since twenty sixteen, here Sam, he's gone. 17th, 4th, 6th, 7th, 2nd, 13th. So, so that's why I picked Kevin Struman. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen to this, listen to this, Sam. The last six years, Kevin Struman's made six figures at this tournament. Wow. Sounds like a pretty uh, – I, I, I don't uh, think any of us had him in the one and done. I didn't know that uh, Kevin Struman had it like that at Pebble Beach, but I guess he does. Well, you know, one thing that, that you mentioned there, Sam, it's a really good point we haven't really talked about it, is how much of these players actually – Enjoy the practice round aspect or the uh, pro am aspect. Of it. Right. You know the the fact that the fact that you sit over on the side, and you can uh, you know BS with your partner. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, that speed has played so well here because he's such good friends with uh, Jake Owen, and that's always his partner. So it's you know it's always easier to go off and um, and talk and, and shoot the shit with uh, with a good guy you're playing with as opposed to uh, you know some some guys that are shooting 150 that you have no uh, no history with at all. Right. Right. So, who's your next pick, T Dub? My next pick. Okay. So, I am. I, I remember I looked this up on the Lost Lost episode. At eighty seven hundred, this guy has only missed one cut since the start of twenty twenty one, and I have no reason to stop picking him anytime soon. I'm gonna have to see some bad form, and I don't think this man knows how to play bad golf. My man Christian Bazane, who see Bezel eighty seven hundred. Okay. It's just I think it's a steal of the term. I don't. He's just not a guy that you ever think. You never look at and you say, you know what? He's gonna win this. You know, you just don't ever get that feeling, but it's like you never like if he misses the cut, I, I literally will be in such shock. It's unbelievable, and it's, it's that's just it's kind of like Kucher back in the day, who I also have in my lineup, where it's like he doesn't really win that much, but he's always making a check, and you would you would love to have his bank account at the end of the day. So, and I mentioned my my most expensive here, Sam. I mentioned him um, earlier. Just loves this place, Daniel Berger. It's I think he's 16th in the world currently, but he's. A lot of people just get from the fact that his swing doesn't look that pretty, so they really don't think that he could be a top five or ten player in the world. But he's got so much talent, man. He's so good. He's such so laid back. One of the things I am worried about is you mentioned on uh, on Golf Central, I believe that 
his back kind of tweaked up last week. Still finished twentieth, but his his back tweaked up. So you know, with Berger, that's been the thing that's holding him back his whole career has been his health. So as long as he's able to keep that wrist and his uh, his back healthy, he's he's going to be a player. And I think that my bet of the week is probably a Daniel Berger top five. Well, uh, Colby is going Cameron Tringali. He's had three top tens, seven of nine cuts so far this year. Uh, Data Golf has Cameron Tringali at a 72.3% chance to make the cut and a 12% chance to finish top five. That's a pretty solid pick there by Colby at 9,500. And then his last pick is a guy that sneaky went under the radar last week, played well, uh, finished sixth at the Farmers. He's going with Justin Rose at 9,600. Uh, at four top tens, 10 to 10 cuts. Uh, and uh, as far as, when, when does this DraftKings go back to as far as 10 of 10 cuts, four top tens? Um, you know, it's a good question. So I'll go on here, and it looks like for a man, Steve Basil, it goes back to, it's got the Olympics, and then it, then it goes to the Bermuda Championship. Okay. Um, let me click on, like, here, let me click on our boy Matt Jones. What's the, what's the latest event? His goes back to the Shriner. So, which is kind of weird because the Olympics was, was way before that. So right. I'm not sure why that's It's a little on, bit confusing like- when you look at DraftKings. It can be a little deceiving as far as how guys are playing, but not in this case because Justin Rose is actually on really good form uh, and seems to be healthy again after last year. So I like that pick by Colby, except for I have two better picks this week. Not only horse for course, but also just playing really well as of late. I'm going Jason Day at 9,900. Jason Day is in second as far as course history since they kept uh, strokes gain stats. Jason Day has gained 2.25 shots on the field per round in this tournament in the past. Uh, Jason Day obviously coming off a second place finish last week. I think that, you know... He's a big-time player, and now that he has some form again, seems to be healthy again, it will be a surprise to me if Jason Day doesn't finish top 20 or top 10 in this tournament at least and probably will have a chance to win the tournament. And then my second pick, the only guy that has played better in this tournament than Jason Day since strokes gain started is Daniel Berger. He has historically gained 2.65 shots on the field. And to put that in perspective – uh, Cantley, who is a famous pick this week, is a really popular pick this week, has only gained 1.66 shots on the field in 20 rounds. Daniel Berger is gaining a full shot more than Patrick Cantley at this tournament historically. He's, you know, never finished outside of the top 10 here. I think that he's a surefire bet for DraftKings and one and done this week. I like him in one and done. We'll go ahead and get into that because... He seems like the type of guy that you wouldn't necessarily save for a major, and he's so surefire here at Pebble Beach that I think this is the perfect time to run Daniel Berger out. Yeah, I definitely agree that if you're if you're feeling it, and I, like I said, I think Daniel Berger top five is a really good bet. And like I mentioned, they have increased the purse here, so that's good. So I I completely agree with that. It's excuse me. One thing I do worry about saying is when you got Cantlay in the field, it's it's one of those things where, you know, if he gets hot, he, like you mentioned just a second ago, hasn't really played particularly as good as Berger has. But He's played well Cantlay here. Just he so, just hasn't played up to Berger or Day. Correct, correct, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's just another example of, you know, it's <coughs> – Dang, I got something stuck in my throat. Sorry. But, you know, I'm probably going to say Berger for the uh, the playoffs, in my opinion. It's just yeah. – but it's like, for example, I'm probably going to use Hideki next week if he plays. So it's – you know, you would think about saving him for a major lot of places, but if you, if you feel froggy on someone, you got a gut feeling. You have to run with it. So I, I love your pick there, Sam. Now, how does the purse here? Com- how does the purse here compare to a playoff event? Not the tour championship, um, but just one of the first. Um, they actually uh, one of the things they're changing this year is they're increasing the purse yep. on the uh, the two playoff events. So they're going from. I believe the purses were eleven million before, and then they jumped all the way up to fifteen million. Right. So you're going to look at. I believe that purse is the same as the uh, the players. Excuse me. Yeah, the players championship was last year. So that's when JT got two point seven million. So you're right. looking at you're looking at a little over a million, probably more for the winner in that opinion. But you know when you get on playoff events, it's going to be a lot higher strength of field than two hundred six. I promise you. Right. 
by the way, Colby's one-and-done pick. We already said it. Jordan Spieth. Now, how do you feel about Spieth this week? You know, Colby makes a good point. I mean, he, he always plays well here. Looking back on it last year, Sam, you know, this they had the waste management before the uh, before ATT last year, and that's Spieth where Spieth there. kind of broke out, you know, and started that, playing that, well again. I, I, exactly, finished fourth and finished third uh, here the next week, and that's when he went on that run, and then was able to win at Valero the week before the Masters. So, you know, it, it could be one of those things where it kind of sparks his energy to get in this tournament. It might be where he kind of turns the Jets on. And right. the one thing I am worried about is, and Colby mentioned this, where. He, um, you know, he was in the hospital last week. Um, yep. I believe it was With Saturday night or maybe bug. Friday. Night. Stomach bug, and I mean, I mean, anyone who's had the stomach bug knows that like you may get better in a couple of days. It may take you a couple of weeks to get back right, depending on how bad it was. So, you know, if he's not up to 100 percent with his body and he already hasn't been playing well in the year, it's it's just hard for me to to run him out in the one and done. I speak one of those guys that. You know, you either use him at, at Augusta or Colonial. It's really hard. I'm really hard pressed to use him anywhere else besides those two places. Yeah, I totally agree. And and you're going with who again? T Dub is one of them. One, one of your DraftKings picks, Sam. And you know, we mentioned this earlier about Stroman making six figures the last few years. How about this recent finish from my man Jason Day, who I'm picking seventh, fourth, fourth, second, fifth, eleventh, fourth. Um, made cut didn't finish 2014, but then before that, finished uh, sixth the year before that. So. I believe that is uh, eight of the last nine years. He's made six figures in this tournament and has never missed a cut here. Uh, Let's go back to 2008, and he has not missed a cut any time he's played here. So I think the only way Jason Day doesn't play well, Sam, is if he knows that I picked him, and then he <laughs> just shits the bet. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I, no, I see that. So I, I like Jason Day this week as well. I think that, you know, as far as – uh, best bets. Uh, Colby had speed at twenty-two to one. I really like Day at twenty-two to one. I also kind of like Rose at twenty-five to one. Um, you know, we were talking on the Long Lost Show about Taylor Moore's odds to finish top ten. Now you could get Taylor. Would you rather have Taylor Moore at eight to one to finish top ten, or would you rather have Daniel Berger at twelve to one to win the tournament? And, you know, I was, I was thinking about this just a second ago, Sam. You know, one of the things about the about the top 10 bet that's a little more forgiving is that if you have 12 guys finish tied 10, that all pays out. Right. You know, and you only have one winner of the tournament. So, you know, that was an element that initially I didn't think about because, you know, I would say more times, like this tournament's played 100 times, I would think that Berger would probably win, just with his course history, he would win more often than, then Timor would finish top 10 just because it's his first year out there. So yeah. I would probably lean towards the Burger side, especially since you got a little better odds on it too. Um, if they were, if for example, if they were flipped and Timor was 12 to 1 for a top 10 and Burger was 8 to 1, I would probably lean towards Timor, but I would also say that I would be more willing to, like Burger is someone that I would throw a little bit more money on to win than Timor if it's top 10 at that point. Right. I think your best bet this week would be to go a tournament matchup and do, you know, Berger or Cantlay or Day against someone else as long as it's not one of the other two. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and a lot of um, a lot of those matchups you can get, uh, you know, you can give strokes or get strokes, like a stroke and a half or whatever. Yeah. So I think, I think both of those guys are even to where – like, for example, normally, if, if you take Cantley or Berger against anyone else in the field, it's probably going to be minus 160 or somewhere around there. So, it's right. you'd have to lay a little bit to get it back. So, But I, this is one of those tournaments where I wouldn't be scared to eat the, eat the stroke and a half to um, to get to get one of those guys against. And like you said, don't don't get them against each other because it's just going to be who ends up making the most putts. So, right. if you can find them against a, a big Neely or a, I believe Seamus Power, like I said, with third on there, or Justin Rose, that might be one that's on there. Um and and give eat, you know eat the stroke and a half and uh, just watch him beat the other guys ass by eight strokes. Well, T Dub, good show. Did did you did we miss anything? We did miss Ring Family Dentistry. We if you haven't already gone to Ring Family Dentistry or you don't already know about Ring Family Dentistry, they are the best in Oklahoma City. I know the family personally, Brennan and Phil Ring. They are a sports family, big baseball guys, big golf guys, and they will get you taken care of. They have everything that you would possibly need as far as fillers, 
anything and they don't do anything unless the patient absolutely needs it. Uh, those guys are the absolute best, and we thank them at Ring Family Dentistry. T-Dub, you have anything else before the end of the show? You know, I, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, and it's like, like you know whenever you think, you, you, like, you have a thought to say, and you can't remember what the hell it was, and then you remember <laughs> like five minutes later. I feel like that's what I'm going through right now, where it's like I have something to ask, but it's I can't It's off in the thin it, air, so. like, our, like our first show. It's on the ether. If there are any quantum physics guys out there, hit us up. Let us know how to get our episode back. <laughs> T-Dub, all right. What's the over-under on the amount of snow we get? You know, I've heard I've heard some different numbers, Sam. I've heard uh, I've heard two to four inches. I've heard even as much as four to seven. Um, so based off what I heard, I would assume that four inches is probably the um, the over and under. And I, from from the way it sounds, it may be like like you know the city may get uh, something like that, then the surrounding areas may get a little more, a little less. So I think our over and under is going to be really. Di- it may be different, you know, two houses down. Um, so I'm, I, I would say over and unders at four, and I would. Probably lean towards the under on that. Which one do you think? I'm leaning towards the under, too. Also, I'm just being hopeful that this is our last winter storm of the year because I don't want any winter kill problems like they had last year, especially with the PGA Championship coming up at Southern Hills. I mean, you know, it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, work that Southern Hills did last year to get that senior championship the way it did was just I mean, it was an act of God. It truly was. It really it, was it, it a miracle. Truly... I mean, every course in the surrounding area was struggling with winter kill, and so was Southern Hills, but somehow they pulled it off. One, one thing that's a benefit this year, if we do get a lot of snow, is that last winter storm was so bad it knocked out all the trees. So hopefully right. we'll have a little less uh, tree issues. And uh, unless someone cuts your cocks out of the bobcat tractor, hopefully we won't lose any electricity. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just hope I don't get stuck at the radio station tonight. I'm doing the Thunder game. going to have to leave there around midnight. T-Dub, I mean, do you think it's haunted at nighttime at the Sports Animal radio station? I mean, is it just like is it just like empty and, and dark and all that? I mean, what's that, what's that setting? I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's just a bunch of <laughs> studios. Do, do you hear like, like cracks in, in the walls and the wind blow and you're like, like jump out of your chair, like holy shit! What was that? <laughs> yeah, you hear like uh, like old hits from Al Ishback talking about high tech plumbing and stuff. <laughs> have Have you ever been walking down the hallway and seen two little girls holding hands like in the shiny? Honestly, uh, <laughs> that's interesting that you bring that up because I was in there alone one <laughs> what night. The hell? <laughs> I was in there alone one night (laughs) (laughs) and I swear. So obviously I was new. This was about three months ago and I was doing a game late at night and this little girl walked in. I think she had to have still been dressed like from her, you know, school. Right. So she's like dressed in like a nice dress. Right. And I didn't realize that the cleaning people were up there late at night and she opens <laughs> opens the door to the studio and I looked at her like, who are you? Like, oh my God. And I thought I saw a ghost, but then I realized it was just oh the cleaning God. people. Dude, that would have, dude, that would have given me a heart attack, bro. It, like it, if it would have been anyone else, like but a little girl, that's so scary. It was, she, I mean, she's so like, weird because it shouldn't be. She had to be like 13 years old, but still like it was, it was scary. <laughs> I mean, I mean, movies like The Shining will do that for you, man. Especially the uh, the time of day, because that that is when the cleaning crews get in there and uh, get work done. So you know, it must have been a take your kid to work day, Sam, and you didn't get the memo. I guess so. I guess so. All right, <laughs> I, just, I was not expecting to hear an answer from that question. I was, that is, I'm so glad I asked. All right. Well, we are rolling with burgers and days and speech this week. Everybody have a great weekend. Make sure to tune in uh, to our show on Monday. We will be recapping Pebble Beach and Saudi, and then Tuesday or Wednesday we will do our waste management and Super Bowl picks. It'll be an awesome week next week as well. T-Dub, let everyone know about your new show, by the way. Oh, yeah. So uh, my new podcast, I started uh, Birdies for Everyone. I uh, We had a little bit of technical difficulties. This was, um, you know, we talked about earlier, man or machine era. Uh, error. This was a, a man error on my aspect. So it took about a week and a half to uh, to get everything on the podcast platforms. But we're up on Apple now. We're up on Spotify, and um, I, I haven't done an, I haven't done another one yet since we got back from uh, from Florida. So I'll probably be doing that 
either this evening or tomorrow afternoon. And so check that out. Birdie's for everyone. And it's F-O-R-E, kind of like you, you're hitting a ball at someone you got to yell for. So, and uh, I, I'm kind of a little bit more non-filter on that one. So, um, so my, you know, if you're a little bit more on that end, it might be interesting <laughs> to listen to if you like listening to me monologue for an hour. Well, that is awesome stuff. Uh, everyone go follow us at the 73rd Hole on Twitter, at 73rd Hole on Instagram. Hit us up. Let us know who you guys want on the show next. I know we have some big plans before the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. It's going to be an awesome time. We're, we're coming up on college golf. We're coming up uh, on the kind of full swing of the PGA Tour. So stick right here on the 73rd hole for your golf content and golf news. Uh, For Taylor Williams and the ghost, Colby Powell, uh, who was on the show today but wasn't, uh, this has been the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma, the award-winning 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Everyone have a great day.